This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. Jonathan Clay of the band Jamestown Revival. Zach and John have been touring together as Jamestown Revival since 2010, but their history together goes back a little further. Meeting in their formative years while growing up in Magnolia, Texas, the duo take pride in that they were friends before music was involved, discovering their proclivity towards it together. As they grew up, both would dabble in solo careers, but eventually reunited to form Jamestown Revival. The band's name is a combination of an homage to 60s and 70s rock group Creedence Clearwater Revival and a historical reference to the original Jamestown colony. According to a 2014 interview in Southern Rambler, Zach and John identified the pursuit of a musical career as a quote foray into an unknown future. They embraced the unknown and in 2014 they packed up and moved to Los Angeles, California where they released their first studio album, Utah, and in 2016, they released their second album, Education of a Wandering Man. Jamestown Revival's sound is notably marked by their trademark harmonies. Singing together throughout both albums, verse to verse, chorus to chorus, Zach and John sound less like a duet and more like a single entity. Their songs shift between classic Southern rock anthems to blues-like acoustic ballads impeccably. We hope you enjoy as our host, singer-songwriter Robert Earl Keane, talks new beginnings, the art of songwriting, how to improvise when your van breaks down, and the nuances of Americana music with the wandering men of Jamestown Revival. Hello, you're listening to Americana Podcast, the 51st State. I'm your host, Robert Earl Keene, and today we're talking with Jamestown Revival. Hello, guys. Howdy. Thanks for having us, Robert. There we go. Yeah. That's that's Jonathan saying thanks, and that is Zach being here. So, Magnolia, Texas, uh, that's where you're from. And that is our home. Correct. Yeah. It's our origins. Yeah, and uh, it's the home of the Renaissance Festival as well. It is yeah. home of the Renaissance Fair for a, about a month. Magnolia is a big city uh-huh. with lots of traffic. Comes, yeah, yeah. It, it has gotten a lot crazier out there. When so I go home to see my parents, miles, yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy now. So have you been to the Renaissance Festival? Oh yeah, we yeah. we've been. In, uh-huh. in fact, Zach and I have actually uh, well, we met when we were fourteen years old. Uh-huh. I moved to Magnolia. Yeah. My family did. Uh-huh. 14 going on 15. At some point in high school, we got the bright idea to join choir. Uh-huh. Figured the, it would make for the easiest senior year. And uh, we actually performed in an ensemble group at the Renaissance Fair. 
Uh, was that a paid performance by any chance? Oh, no. No, that was a extracurricular uh, okay. school yeah. activity. Okay. I think we had to go and I remember getting to go up there in the off season uh-huh. before it was going on and like dig through the the costume the costumes box. We got to put on some it was magical madness or something. Yes. Like we got to we had to dress up and it was this uh-huh. sort of minstrel performance uh-huh. and uh our poor choir teacher. We we put him through hell. We really did. <laughs> Miss, Mr. Really? Bates, if you're out there listening, I'd like to formally apologize for all those times we called you Master Bates. Yeah, it was probably. It really. It was just the highlight of our career. That was that was the peak of Jamestown yeah. before it was even. Yeah, ah, that's good. So I have here that you met in trigonometry class, and both of you played music at that time when you met. We met in trig. First yeah. day I moved. First, my first day of school. Uh-huh. We, we. Uh, we were in the same class, yeah. Uh-huh. When we met, we didn't even music. We we hadn't even music mm-hmm. was almost something that we just got lucky with. Uh-huh. We met and it was we were friends first, which I think was cool. We weren't yeah. bandmates first. Mm-hmm. And then one time, I I was learning to play guitar because my dad taught me to play mm-hmm. and always had instruments in the house. And I was learning to play and strum and pick chords. Mm-hmm. And I was showing Zach something, and then he started singing, and I thought. Well, damn, you can sing pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so we started learning how to harmonize things mm-hmm. and sing together. And um, oh, I remember we went to, this is before the days of GarageBand, mm-hmm. you know, and things. So we went to Best Buy mm-hmm. and recorded. We bought this recording uh, really software. Recording mm-hmm. software. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for like 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. And went home and got my dad's old AKG uh, stage mic from the 70s. Right. It was like a... a, a, a cardioid like it was like an old sm58 and we plugged that in through three adapters to the back of the windows pc sound card Mm -hmm. and recorded our first song so one guitar and both your voices that kind of thing yeah and for a kick drum we hit the mic physically i (laughs) I mean we're talking it was yeah it was it was pretty gorilla yeah but you got to do what you got to do man Can I talk about um, Utah a little bit? Yeah, of course. This record, uh, California, the Cast Iron Soul. That's the title of the the song itself, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is is the nucleus or seed song of this record? Is you know, I would say if it were a, an essay, it would be the thesis statement. Maybe. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yes. That that song really encapsulates the entire our entire mindset. Uh huh. And and I think your mindset is the basis. For your album, mm-hmm. you know, it's yes. like from your mindset springs all these little side yeah. offshoots and tributaries and things. But that was uh, that was our mindset. That right. song sums up our mindset for sure. And we were talking before. You said that you you made this record in Utah, but after you'd already moved to California. Yeah, right? which I guess that yeah, is confusing to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna clear that. We're gonna set the record straight. We just right love now. geography, really. Sure. We just love geography. So. Well, yeah. basically, we were living in California, and we thought well, we knew that one way or another we wanted to make forward progress. So we knew a buddy who owned a sort of makeshift studio. We had another buddy who was an engineer that we actually went to college with. Uh-huh. So we called everybody up and put all the gear in the back of a rider truck, and away we drove, uh, headed east to uh-huh. a, a cabin in Utah. So we set up the studio in there and, and got to recording, tracked the whole thing to tape, and it was it was really a live recording. Right. Uh, with, you know, we, we obviously did some overdubs because there was only four of us playing at one time. Right. But it was a, it was a wonderful experience. California, I don't even know you, taking me away. 
so the idea of getting out of town, that was helpful to your process? Yeah, we didn't really have the money to uh, to to rent out a real studio. Uh-huh. And the idea of just, I mean, this cabin's just outside of Heber City, mm-hmm. uh, which is near Park City, right, Utah. And uh, it's set back a good way. So the idea of just being in a cabin for 10 days... Mm-hmm. recording music and not having to right. drive home and sit in traffic and just living with it was really exciting to us. It was like a, an adventure. We didn't really anticipate it being the record. We just were, wanted to record them so we'd have proof of what we sounded like. Mm-hmm. And then it became the record. So but, did you write some of the songs there? No, we, we wrote all the songs. We had all the songs together. We wrote one when we were there. Uh-huh. But we had all of them together. Mm-hmm. We knew what we wanted to record when, right. we, when we set out. Right. Yeah. For the cabin. It was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, it was somewhat dumb luck, though, because we, we didn't really have a plan. We just knew we wanted to record them, and then when we got back, right. we were going to maybe shop them to some producers and right. maybe persuade them to, to record us that way. Right. Then we got back, and we, we liked them, uh-huh. and it sort of grew out of that. Well, and we were definitely shooting from the hip. I mean, we got in there, and we set everything up. A, a hell of a credit card debt, too. That we did. <laughs> we got in there, we set everything up, and we thought, man, this room just kind of sounds a little dead. So our buddy Daniel, who was in engineering it, he's like, you know, honestly, we, we really kind of need some hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. So down the hill we went into the hardware store, got some four-by-six pieces of plywood, and lined the entire floor with plywood what? and set everything back up on top of that. We thought, okay. There we go. It's oh, a little more wow. live now. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, so that was how we were tuning the space. Basically. That's that's yeah. Adapting. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was it was a really fun time because we were really naive and there was no no pressure to it. Uh-huh. So it was. It was just. Let's try this. Out. Let's let's set these microphone or let's set these speakers up in the garage, mm-hmm. facing the corners, and then set a mic in the middle of the room and that'll be our reverb on the record. Mm-hmm. So we'd play the tracks back and that would be the reverb on mm-hmm. the cool stuff like that. And to his credit, uh, Daniel Dempsey was really just a mad scientist mm-hmm. thinking of cool stuff to do. So this is what one would say self produced? Totally. Yeah. It it really was. It was really just friends uh-huh. together making music yeah. the best way we knew how to do. Right. Still is. I would totally agree. So um, the song, talking about uh, California, the cast iron soul, I have this question. Uh, American writer, philosopher Joseph Campbell, hero of A Thousand Faces, talks about how a person should leave the comfort of their nest and go into the forest and become truly actualized. Did you have something like this in mind while you were writing that song, or is it really about cast iron and making food taste better? (laughs) No. It's making life taste better. Yeah, yeah there you go. making life taste better. Uh-huh. We learned pretty quickly, going back when we were when we would just go out the two of us and sleep in our cars or somebody's floor. We learned pretty quickly that you have these experiences and meet people and get inadvertently wind up in these adventures that you wouldn't, you couldn't see coming. That was such a special time in both our lives. There's a, a window where you're broke and just traveling around and meeting people and it was, it was so much fun mm-hmm. and so we realized we just when we were writing the song equated that to seasoning you know you get you get perspective by traveling and mm-hmm. meeting people and seeing mm-hmm. how people live mm-hmm. i didn't really know what to expect mm-hmm. i didn't know and and having no expectations i think was a good thing mm-hmm. and we just moved out there kind of in faith and said you know what let's just go play every chance we get and and once we got there and we got homesick and it wasn't like what we expected and mm. it took longer than we thought, we kind of used all those things and and thought about 
you know, what, what was that doing to us as writers, mm -hmm. as musicians? So when you brought this uh, back and then you decided uh, you wanted to put this out, how did you go about that process? You know, at that point, we met uh, our manager who, uh -huh. that was, I mean, that was early, early days. Uh -huh. And he, uh, we were just kind of building a relationship with him. Uh -huh. And... So he thought, he said, you know what, let me take this and play this for some people and see if, if anybody would like to, to partner with us on this. We hired our own publicist. Mm -hmm. um, so we were kind of acting as our own label distributed through, uh, it was with InGrooves. It went a lot better than we ever would have anticipated. Mm -hmm. We, right before that happened, we, um, we had California and we thought, we thought it was a cool song. We mm -hmm. didn't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was, a, we got an offer to put it on. There was like a Texas music CD mm -hmm. yeah. that you you could like buy onto. Mm -hmm. Somebody came across it and we were we were like, well, what do we have to lose? Mm -hmm. We'll put this song California on it and just see if it's a way to distribute it that we don't have. Mm -hmm. A radio station in um, Brenham. Brenham, Texas, just outside of Houston, mm -hmm. got a hold of it and started playing it. And then mm -hmm. they contacted us mm -hmm. and we're like, uh, hey, this song seems to be getting a response every mm -hmm. time we play it. Mm -hmm. And so our manager took it to InGrooves, and they were into it, and and they really helped us out, mm -hmm. helped grow it. Wow. Which was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's people selling hundreds, millions of albums, but for us, people that couldn't get five people in a bar to come see them. Mm -hmm. Did this put you on the road any after that? Is that it did. I mean, uh, we toured. We toured for years sleeping in the back of the car playing for it, we were we were happy if we drew ten people. Uh -huh. We did house play parties, at a bar, bars, you know. Right. John yeah. would email a, as a booking agent. Uh -huh. Oh, good. He'd have a yeah, fake I, booking. Agent I had a name. whole email account set up and everything, yeah. and then I, I, my booking agent persona was I just called myself Brian. <laughs> and then uh, we'd get to these shows, and maybe the talent buyer or the bar manager is there. He's like, "Yeah, uh, Brian called, said y'all are running about you know thirty minutes behind," and I was like. I got news for you, dude. I am Brian. And, uh, <laughs> that, Man, you sound a lot like yeah, Brian. I just spoke uh, with him on the phone. And finally, we had a, a a group of people to play to when we went out on the road. Right. And I kind of talk about sometimes your first 500. Mm -hmm. I feel like your first 500 are the hardest to get. Mm -hmm. Like when you go play somewhere and you can draw 500 or more people, those first 500 mm -hmm. are so incredibly difficult. Right. And it got us... It got us past that mark, uh -huh. which was set us up for a foundation from which to build a career. Because uh -huh. our, our touring is, that's our bread and butter. Because I've got a heavy heart, heavy mind. Sing a song for all I don't with an audience of the first 500 under their belts, it was time for Jamestown Revival to expand. When you started, when you first made Utah, you really just, the two of you playing? I really don't know. So Sure. Yeah. I think we managed to tour including gas for for something like 150 bucks a week. Uh -huh. It was it was insane. Right. We and we were playing in living rooms, we were playing in just places I hope I never have to go back to. Whatever Brian <laughs> could get you at the time. That, yeah. whatever Brian, whatever kind of shows he could pull. We fired yeah. Brian as quick as we could. <laughs> yeah. And then after Utah, we we got the band and we 
recorded all the songs. And at that point, we we thought, man, we should really try to figure out how to make it work with the band. And there was a transition period when things were picking up and the band was starting to generate um, enough ticket sales to where we could pay a band. Right. Uh, and we just kind of had to grow into it. It was it's it was sort of a natural evolution, I guess. Right. But so we started with bass and drums, sort of thing. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. We actually started with a bass player, bass and player. we put that poor guy through hell and really? back. Yeah, he's been with us for a long time. Uh-huh. I remember that we finally decided we should buy a, a, a tour van, uh-huh. and we bought. Uh, an old shuttle bus that we rebuilt. Nice. We stripped out the inside and built, built plywood bunks and put these... Bought it from the state of California. Yes, we did. Yeah. And I remember one time, we, when we slept, we just parked it and slept in it. We didn't have electricity to plug into unless we got lucky and found an outlet at the bottom of a light pole. Uh-huh. But we broke down in Utah one time. Oddly enough. Yeah, just actually near where, outside of Park City. Mm-hmm. And it got so cold that night. We were all in our sleeping bags, had them pulled up over our heads. <laughs> and, and, It'd be like and a... And I felt... Ro- yeah, we'd have to do like rock, paper, scissors to see who'd get up to start the, the van in the morning. Yeah. It'd be so cold. And I felt so bad for our bass player because, you know, none of us were making money. But, but at the same time, Zach and I were, were the ones that had gotten him into this mess. And I remember... <laughs> So cold, I reached down and grabbed my water bottle to take a drink, and the water bottle was frozen Whoa. solid. And I thought, man, we, I hope this gets better. <laughs> I hope this starts to look up at some point here. Or at least warm up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now what are you, what, what's the... What's the uh, well, we've grown a little bit. The, so we've got, uh, we've got drummer, bass player. We have a lead guitar player. Oh. Uh, we also have an organ player, sort of key, keyboard Magician. Magician. He is incredible. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But one of you plays keyboards as well. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I play guitar, too, uh-huh. and I'll play uh-huh. some lead, and uh-huh. we, we all kind of, we, we switch it up. Oh, I yeah. see. I think I play till I'm around Dan, our keyboard player. And then, uh, I see. And then I realize what a real keyboard player is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how you're traveling these days with your tour? Yeah, we got a front of house guy, which is oh, awesome. So yeah, we have somebody who knows helpful. our music and right. tour manager. And, and we can, pretty flexible on the lo- we, arrangement. You know, we can break it down or grow uh-huh. it as much as we need to. Sure. Um, we'll still do stuff, just the two of us. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. The worst road experience. And uh, this doesn't have to be a story. Just like, I mean, that is definitely touring in the ice wagon we broke down in that thing the ice wagon we call it the ice wagon because it used to be belong to immigrations and customs enforcement where were we got it in we yuma? gutted it yeah we broke down in arizona in yuma just outside of yuma and it was 112 degrees mind you zach and i were right in the middle of an intense game of super nintendo nba <laughs> nba jam yeah. in the back <laughs> yeah we mounted this little tv in there we had these bunks and but uh we broke down in uh yuma and had to get to a show that night in San Diego. And so got towed into town and then rented a U-Haul and sat four deep in a U-Haul truck with this giant U-Haul truck with our gear in the back, like, sliding around and rolled in, like, an hour and a half to, to our show in San Diego. And when you say broke down, we're not talking about, you know, a flat tire or, you know, a little overheating. We're talking about full-on the transmission failed <laughs> and needed to be completely rebuilt. And this is the day we're starting a three-week tour. Mm. So So... There was one second or third day, diesel yeah. truck shop in Yuma, Arizona. We got it towed there. He happened to also rent U-Hauls. So he's like, I'll rent you all this U-Haul. We're like, okay. Was, yeah. So we threw all of our stuff as a box truck. 
and roll up to our show in this U-Haul box truck. <laughs> three days later, he got the transmission rebuilt in like three days, four days, something like that. We flew our guitar player. We rented a van, flew our guitar player back down. He drove it to meet us for our next in show. In Oklahoma. And intercepted yeah. us. Wow. You got to get crafty, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you got to get crafty. To, you have to adapt. There's no doubt. Im- yeah. Improvise. It's yeah. constant improvisation. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. How many dates do you think you're doing a year these days? Well, this year has been a lot slower just because after Education of a Wandering Man came out, mm-hmm. um, we toured on that. And and I think just kind of looking back, we were able to kind of – we had a little bit more perspective mm-hmm. when looking at that album. And, and, I, and we thought, you know what, this time around, the next album, we're going to really give ourselves the time to make writing – a habit, make it routine, sure. and really invest the time in it. So for about the past four months, we've been saying uh-huh. saying no to pretty much everything, and uh-huh. just been, we've been writing five days a week. Wow, and it's been incredible. So we haven't actually been playing that many dates uh-huh. uh, recently. Yeah, we're gonna be rusty. We've been writing more songs than we've ever written in our life, but uh-huh. we have not been playing. We've probably been playing less shows than we've played in six years. We both enjoy the the touring aspect of it but also realizing you can't burn you can't wear wear yourself out you gotta you gotta make it work for you we're fortunate enough to be in a position where we can create our own schedule to a certain extent and and work for ourselves which is amazing we're really grateful but john has a family now making touring work for us Mm -hmm. you know going out for only a certain period of time and then getting some time at home and, and time to 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 feel like you have a life and you're not coming home to chaos. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll continue our interview with Jamestown Revival when we return. At Americana Podcast, The 51st State, we would like to take a moment to recognize songs we feel embody the spirit of Americana music. Selected by our good friend and music connoisseur, Will Vote. these are Will's picks. Jenny of the Roses by His Golden Messenger from the album Hallelujah Anyhow. His Golden Messenger is a band that showcases the work and talent of MC Taylor. Based in Durham, North Carolina, Taylor creates a sound that mixes Americana, alt country, and a bit of swamp rock on this appealing record. Taylor's music reflects a 20-year career that began in California with bands such as Exignota and Court in the Spark. A move to North Carolina may have added the southern influences that we hear on the record. The song Domino, Time Will Tell, is the cut off the album that is currently moving up the Americana chart. With its obvious nod to Van Morrison and pulsing rhythm and horns, it has a reason to be a single. That being said, Will's pick is Jenny of the Roses, which displays clever lyrics and a catchy rhythm pushed along by the drums and a great gospel piano part. When Taylor sings, you know you are listening to songwriting of the highest caliber. Yes, I've never been afraid of the darkness. Just a different kind of life Where you're trying to tell something Didn't it And now back to our guests at Americana Podcast, Jamestown Revival. 
So uh, talk about your writing process together. I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to bore you with the is it the words of the music, but I mean, as yeah. the two of you, do you both bring the ideas, or is it just a real split? I think it's about as even of a split as you possibly could. The, uh-huh. Our our writing process is like uh-huh. it's like an exercise in real time refinement. Uh-huh. So sometimes Zach will play like a little something on guitar, and I'll, and and then I won't recognize what he's playing. Uh-huh. And then I'll hear a melody in my head over that, and I tweak it just a little bit, and then he's like, oh, that's cool. And then some a line just pops out of that place mm-hmm. that I don't know where mm-hmm. it comes from, mm-hmm. and then we're kind of off to the races. Mm-hmm. It's just that spark, and then we're just working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like we're playing tug-of-war, pulling on the same side of the rope. So, yeah. speaking of tug-of-war, so when you come to an impasse, like in a song, you know, like where you, you get that place where you're just like, what the hell happens <laughs> All now? the momentum what, just what, what, stops. What, what, what do you do at that point? Go get lunch. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had to learn that, though. We had to, I mean, we had to learn, uh, we had to, we used to just, and I'm the worst, I get stuck, I want it, you know, I want this thing that's giving me this high, yeah. and uh, I would get so mad to walk away like we wouldn't be able to talk to each other for a minute because i just we and then we learn like oh if you step away sometimes you can come back with perspective or i you are always better at it but i mean for you do you do you have to walk away from it oh definitely a lot a lot of of times i do i do have a, a over the past i don't know several years now i do have sort of a a need to finish it regardless and then i think i go back and Tweak. tweak yeah okay and, and i then i look for the where the, the problem spots. occurred yeah. like sometimes you don't even see where the problem occurred totally you know? yeah. and you go ah that's where it is gotta lose that that right now and we'll start right here and and redo so yeah so that's that's a lot of times what i've done lately but do, that's do you like, write most of your songs by yourself or do you feel i like would say about 80 percent. okay yeah see that's weird that's different from us because i said you know we're not huge fans of co-writing but yeah. yet I haven't written a song by myself uh-huh. in years. Uh-huh. So we, we do co-write, but we just co-write with each other. Yeah. Right. Almost, almost every now and then, like the other day, you brought an idea in. So every now and then somebody will get a start. Uh-huh. And yeah. um, if it's not good, we just kind of pretend like we didn't hear it. And, <laughs> and if it is good, we go. <laughs> so. We have a, a sort of an unspoken way that we brush each other's ideas yeah. off. It's like, oh, it's cool. That's you know that's worth that's everything tough, right though. there. Yeah, it is <laughs> to learn how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, my here's my favorite one about like uh, things not working. I wrote a song. I was writing some songs with uh, this uh, country writer Dean Dillon. Do you know who that is? Not He's familiar. pretty much the Stephen Sondheim of all country writers okay. uh, you know like 14 number one George Strait hits okay, okay. So, but okay. he's primarily a co-writer writer. he writes and he likes to co-write he writes with all kinds of people so I'm writing with he and this other guy that he called Phil Billy right I don't know why but Phil Billy like Phil Billy and Phil Billy is just some... one of these kind of like self-generating idea guys that just throw regardless no filter yeah. just yeah. throwing it out yeah. throwing it out throwing it out and you're just going and yeah. so we're writing this song and it's just a little song about living on a river right and so we're just sitting there writing this song and stuff and Dean's got his glasses on his nose and stuff and he keeps looking at Phil Billy every time he throws out another idea he gets looks at it and finally we get towards the very end and he comes up with a really Phil Billy comes up with a really good line for the last verse, and Dean goes, 
Welcome to the song, Philbilly. Philbilly <laughs> <laughs> finally got his yeah. made his worth. Yeah. You know what? I respect people who can do that though. Yeah. Who it's just like I'm gonna let it, let it fly, yeah. and sooner or later it's gonna catch. Because I, I tend to be a little more reserved, yeah. especially no. in a room of people you don't you're writing with the first time. That can be a really it's, hard place. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know it's it's almost yeah. really better to have all those crazy ideas and then go. Totally. No, 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 no. That one. Yeah. yeah. That one's Every now and then that one sticks to the wall. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. I just try to I try to not let it dictate my happiness. Uh-huh. You know? Um, but I'm songwriting is like it's like drug addiction. Yeah. You chase the high and the high never satisfies you for long. Just a journey Jamestown Revival sheds light on their sophomore record. So the education of a wandering man, uh, can you tell me about that, how it came to be and, and the process behind that one? Of course. So, you know, after our first album had a little bit of success, then we had we had uh, the problem of not having anybody interested. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that problem so much anymore. We had people interested. We actually had labels wanting to, to talk to us for the first time ever, and so that was... That was new to us, and so we ended up signing a, a deal with Republic, mm-hmm. which is like the, the biggest pop label in the country. They got Taylor Swift to, uh-huh. you know. Weekend. Yeah, and so yeah. here we were, you know, just wanted, you know, consider ourselves songwriters. Right. And just trying to tell our story, and we signed with this label, and they told us things that we felt like we needed to hear mm-hmm. uh, to, to feel like they were good partners, and. They were good to us, but ultimately it, it might not have been the best fit for us creatively. Right. And so, you know, they want us to work with co-writers and mm-hmm. songwriters, and we thought, wait a minute, we 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 write our <laughs> own songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. We don't. Did really, you hear the last record? Uh, we yeah. wrote those. <laughs> we don't. We don't really feel like we need nor want to just go co-write to try to to try to write some single. You know, right. that's just not really what we do. Right. And so, we ended up. You know, we did a few co-writes, but we wrote the new album largely on our own. Uh, To their credit, they were actually really open to letting us produce this uh, record ourselves as well. So we produced it um, in a farmhouse outside of Austin and flew the band down. Uh, Our band is kind of all over the country. And so got everybody in and set up. and, And we recorded a little bit differently. We kind of struggled with trying to walk the line between what did we do right last time getting lucky where do we feel like we could do better and we we you know we made some judgment calls um some things i think we did right some things i think we didn't do so right Right. but again like you were saying you know everything you kind of learn you know and we put that album out and toured on it and and now i think at this point we're we're really looking ahead. Now that record's three. on Republic, is, mm-hmm. is yeah, that right? Yeah. And yeah. you still have a deal with them? Or we have since Severed parted that? ways. Yeah. yeah, right. It was an amicable breakup. Yeah, sure, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, I don't want to knock Republic because yeah. they were they were really our team Amazing. was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They tried to support us the best way they knew how. I mm-hmm. feel like, but I feel like any huge label 
the way they think about building a career is just so different from the way Zach and I were used to building a career, right. which is literally every outlet we can, mm-hmm. every single person, every individual we can, mm-hmm. um, nothing too small, nothing too minuscule. Right. Um, but also, let's be thoughtful with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And So that led to what you're doing now, which is taking some time off and writing. And it did. Sounds it's, the way it, to go. It, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and they they were really... It was a, a really, it's fun to have, again, that experience of being on our own, being our own, own label with a distribution company, mm-hmm. being a part of a very big label and seeing uh, how they operate and just the magnitude of what a major label is. Mm-hmm. It's so impressive. Mm-hmm. And people who, people who are successful pop stars mm-hmm. are, I have so much respect for what they have, <laughs> what they can mentally uh, shoulder, you know, shoulder. Yeah. It's it's amazing. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's yeah. a different thing too. Yeah, it's like a different breed of music. You know. Yeah, it was, it's it's been a fun ride for mm-hmm. two friends who met in trigonometry. No kidding. <laughs> I am certainly admire you for you know thinking for yourselves and uh, Thank and, you. I, and and I understand that thing about it. I, I I too uh, agree that um, people that work at that level that pop star level it's you think it's all easy but it's not it's got to be tough 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 and you don't get there if you're not a lot of stuff yeah and you don't get there if you're not talented and driven yeah and just willing to 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 take on a lot right um so it's impressive but i think we realized we're just a little more we like kind of the mom and pop feel right you know i had somebody once told me something a very successful songwriter uh, in the pop realm Somebody I've known for a long time. I was, uh, I was, you know, with music. There, it's like the, there's so many peaks and valleys. I was in a valley one time, and I was talking to him, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Man, you want to know the difference between people that make it and people that don't in music?" And I was like, "What's that?" He says, "The people that make it just don't stop. It's, it's that simple. Resilience. You just don't stop." Yeah. He's like, "I was sleeping on a couch six years ago. This dude got a couple of hit songs, and now he's got a beautiful studio in Nashville. And he's like, man, do you know how many times I could have just given up? And I thought, man, it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost it's almost a game of uh, attrition. It's a battle of attrition, right. you know? Yeah. You just got to keep on keeping on. So yeah. that's that's kind of been our mindset is yeah. we're just not going to stop. So between the two records uh, from Utah and the next record was there a learning process as far as like writing together and putting together songs once you've done it once you come back and maybe do it differently or or you accentuate the things that you've already done well oh man it's tough uh, man every creative if you do something that does well mm-hmm. you want to repeat that antidote right, right sure. you want you want to delineate mm-hmm. the exact equation and just replicate it but mm-hmm. creativity doesn't work like that mm-hmm. and that was something mm-hmm. that really I honestly got into our heads mm-hmm. and we wanted to write another California, mm-hmm. but, but then we couldn't write another California. And then this thought of like, I, I, Zach came over to write one day and I was like, dude, do you ever think about the fact that, that our best work could be behind us? Our, our, our greatest <laughs> is, song could be, yeah. And just, you, you start going through all these things and yeah. you freak yourself out. And, um, honestly, the education of a wandering man was, was, was sort of the culmination of, of an identity crisis. Uh, really? In some way, and just travel. We were traveling. I say we that affectionately. The, uh-huh. Yeah, and we were trying to write the record in between. Stop. So you wrote this on the road, primarily? but essentially, uh, yeah. it, we would get together. Our, we'd try to get together when we were writing, you know, four or five days a week. But we would be traveling quite a bit, so we'd get together a couple of days and just try to 
try to bang them out. Mm -hmm. We're not very good on the road. Mm -hmm. The last thing here I want to do is pick up a guitar when you mm -hmm. get out, get back to the hotel room or wherever it is. When, I mean, we, we're touring a lot. We're also flying to a lot of shows. And mm -hmm. so we'd get back and, and we'd have maybe a week here, mm -hmm. three days here. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we'll try to get together and write a song. But it, But for us, we feel like we write the best when we're writing uh, consistently, mm -hmm. and we're writing. Just the process of writing is routine. the muscle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and and we felt like we never really got the chance to have that routine with mm -hmm. the last record. Okay. I'd be curious to ask you if mm -hmm. I mean, is it doing it as long as you have? Mm -hmm. Do you feel there's an ebb and flow to the creative the creative process? There's no doubt. Sometimes I feel like I'm so busy, but I feel this other sort of swell within my being yeah. where I think I'm really sharp right now. I'm really yeah. I'm really on it and I, I should it's just so stop easy. whatever yeah. I'm doing and yeah. start writing songs yeah, but I, you don't have time all of a sudden yeah, and then you'll come to other parts where you just think regardless if you're busy or not busy you just don't think you think I'm just sort of dead inside. I've got no, nothing, nothing to say. Yeah. yeah, nothing you to say. You feel hollow yeah. at times. It's yeah, crazy. It's, it, and it does ebb and flow. There's yeah. No doubt. yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> you want to be able to just grab it out of thin air whenever you need it. Yeah. Yeah. The fun thing about music and, mm. and this and having done two records is I think we've learned so much after each of those records has come out. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. You, you have time to reflect on them a little bit and really think about where you were mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and that's cool because that's when you... You learn things and learn what's working and what's not. It ha I did have this piece. It's the album titles after a Louis L'Amour mm -hmm. book. Sure is. His uh, his memoir. Oh, really? Yeah, which uh, is just a great book. His really? story. Yeah. Hearing that guy talk about just what he's experienced his, and his inspiration, really. Yeah. His he, vigor for life. He lived a, mm -hmm. a really interesting life. There's. It's a great book. He he will list. I mean, this dude, he read so much mm -hmm. to become a writer. He would just read. Mm -hmm. And so he does do this thing where he just starts listing books for like two pages. And you're kind of like, oh, really? no exaggerate. It's book title, comma, book title, comma, book title. And it's three solid pages of book titles. And, and he so does that throughout the book. But As in, in he's suggesting that you might ought to pick up some yes, of these books. Yes, and, and, and just know. somehow mem he somehow remembered all these books he'd read. Because I think he would read them over and over. He, would, he was a sailor for a while, so he would read the same books. And then when he would get into a port, he would swap them out. And then he... I mean, the guy lived a really interesting life, traveled all over the West. And obviously his... Oh. His uh, Western novels are really cool. My mm -hmm. my grandpa used to uh, turn me on to those when I was young. Right. John discovered his memoir, and it's the, the guy's the real deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. I got I got really inspired by the story of Chris McCandless, mm -hmm. who's the guy that the story Into the Wild was based on, the mm -hmm. true story of Into the Wild. Right. And so I went down his rabbit hole, and um, and that was one of the books that was found with him was mm -hmm. Education of a Wondering Man. So I thought, man, I want to read that. And mm -hmm. then. It 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 left an impression on both of us, so we stole the name for a record. Yeah, well, adopted the name. Adopted, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. borrowed. All right, all right. I've been sleeping with the ghost of you. I've been walking in the same old shoes. I've been trying hard to leave you alone. Uh, 
All right. I have a lightning round here that I would like to go with. All right. You can, I'm just, you know, these are really simple. But yeah, let's just, do it. Okay, so so uh, sweet tea or tea classic? Uh, um, tea classic. Okay. Tea classic. Okay. Big Bang Theory or How I Met Your Mother? Mm, how I Met Your Mother. Yeah. I've never watched How I Met Your Mother, so I'm gonna have to go with Big Bang. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad? Oh, oh my gosh, that's like, <laughs> it's like cookie or brownie. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like break. I've never watched Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. I've somehow uh-huh. I'm a pariah, but so I, I guess I have to go Game of Thrones. But I know B- Breaking Bad's probably better uh-huh. cinema, right? Oh, is they're both pretty good. Uh, uh, that's that's. I mean, that's really tough. You got me. You got me, Robert. <laughs> okay. Beatles. I, I, I think ultimately I might go Game of Thrones because sometimes Breaking Bad was just, you know, you dark watching place. dark stuff before you go to bed can make oh, you have bad dreams. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I and I I agree. There were some there were some real gets, low points in it Breaking gets Bad dark. where I'm just like you turn it off and you're oh, like no. you don't Maybe. feel good about yourself. Yeah. Kind of, I'm in the process of watching Fargo right now. I love Fargo. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a Billy Bob's character kills me. Yeah. But there's times I turn it off and I'm just like, oh man, just kind of stare at the floor for thirty seconds. Yeah, so we just... Get an ice cream cone or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beatles or the Stones? Oh, I'm on a huge Beatles kick right now, so I'm gonna go Beatles. Yeah. I, I'm. I think I'm gonna go Beatles too. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You? The uh, Beatles. Beatles. I, I like the Beatles. So. I love the Stones and. And I might enjoy their music casually, uh-huh. but I just have so much respect for the Beatles songwriting. Speaking of memoirs, Keith Richards was a lot of fun. Uh, I had that around the house. I yeah, you should. F- I, yeah. It was. It's, it's a, good a good one. one. Yeah. yeah. I I like the Beatles just because the because uh, I'm not a really great great musician, but I just love the melody thing with the. Beatles. Oh, it's beautiful. Paul McCartney it's kills me. The, the Beatles is like fine cuisine, yeah. and the Rolling Stones are like a. <laughs> Nice hot bowl of chili at the chili it's, parlor. It's you like, know? Yeah. It's like right. they're it's both like, good. Yeah, there you go. Uh Wilco or Sunvolt? Hmm. I think I gotta go Wilco. Wilco. Okay. All right. So this is the last question on the lightning round. Uh wanna create a new sexy name for the B three. Yes or no? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but we have a we have a joke. Uh because we tour, we tour with B three, uh-huh. and we always when there's people carrying out, we we're like, yeah, there were four dudes carrying the B the organ out, and uh, they fell and it killed one, so there would only be three. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I like it's that. been told yeah. better than that, but I like that. yeah, yeah, that damn thing. If you had four guys so carrying heavy. it and one one got killed by the weight of it, there it would, would only be three. Be three. I like that. Yeah. That's all we need there. Um, so uh, these are some sort of things about Mar- Americana, if, if you don't mind. We are trying to define and expand this genre, so how would either one of you describe Americana as you know it? Music that doesn't properly fall under the category of pop. Okay. But is still pop accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's grown so much, which mm-hmm. I think is cool, mm-hmm. uh, that it's a phrase that, of a genre, like a all-encompassing thing, but just roots, mm-hmm. roots inspired. Yeah, in general. Yeah, I think it has an emphasis on songwriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, at least, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of got their own impression of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, is that do you consider yourselves Americana? I think we strongly identify with Americana. Okay. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we we have whims in every direction. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I I've I've gotten where I just tell people that might know that I 
I play Americana because I feel like you know people do want a category, right? <laughs> sure. But if it's if if it's somebody on a plane and I can tell that they really wouldn't know, I just go oh country music. Yeah, you know, I know. I, I, I go. I just say rock. I, yeah, know, right, yeah. Folk rock. Yeah, right. Folk rock. Yeah, yeah. because that's, that's it's just, my go-to. just not worth it. Yeah, the, the old <laughs> airport. Oh, what kind of music do you? Play? <laughs> I like the one where you're walking onto the plane with your guitar and then then the the. They go, uh, oh, are y'all going to play for us today? It's like, oh, I've never heard that. That's, yeah, that's book your seatbelts, yeah, ladies thanks. and gentlemen. We're gonna, yeah. That's <laughs> what we want to do. We're going to stand up here and play. Yeah. Uh, what musical or lyrical, you kind of answered this, but let me ask you anyway. Uh, what musical or lyrical aspects stand out uh, when you consider Americana music? You know, again, I think, I think uh, not to repeat myself, but kind of that emphasis on songwriting, storytelling, um, at least for us, uh-huh. just that earnest quality mm-hmm. in the music. Mm-hmm. That's what we strive to do. That's what I feel like you see a lot of people striving to do in the Americana um, genre. And if I were to try to throw out one other adjective, maybe timelessness. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. Americana chases trends so mm-hmm. much as right. as chases just kind of the classic uh, songwriting idealism. Mm-hmm. Storytelling. Name three artists that you think define Americana music, or you think of when you think of Americana music. Mm. Man, there's so many different eras. Uh-huh. You know, because everybody, I, I feel like there are people who who move the needle sure. for their era. Right. But off the top of my head, Dylan, man, Towns, mm-hmm. and John Prine, mm-hmm. I think are, are roots. But then there's... I mean, like, you could consider blues or R&B, you know, Allman Brothers could be Americana. So, um, I have one last question. Uh, Once again, uh, we're here with uh, Jamestown Revival and uh, Zach and Jonathan. And uh, y'all have been delightful, by the way. I really enjoyed this uh, this this talk. It's been yeah, a pleasure, yeah, man. Yeah, and I have you. to say, it's it's a it's a real pleasure and honor. To, Thank you. To talk with you. Yeah. Uh, so this is my last question. I, I and I came up with this because I've talked to a lot of people uh, about this scenario. But um, it seems like almost everyone can remember the first hundred dollar bill someone gave them for playing some music or something. Or it might it maybe for you it was two hundred dollars or whatever. But the first time it went you saw some money in your hand and you went, Oh, oh my hell yeah. God. yeah. <laughs> wow. What? Yeah. This pays? You know, I used to play there was a venue in Austin over Cat's Deli uh-huh. and uh, I somehow met this booking agent in Austin. I remember uh, I think that might have been my. I think I made like a hundred bucks uh-huh. that night. Uh-huh. And, yeah, this is when you were doing solo. Yeah, yeah, I remember that night. Yep. I was there. I think Dan, I drew forty. Played I think too, I drew yeah. forty people, and I was like, I'm on my way. I made a hundred bucks and drew forty people. <laughs> Things are looking up. This is uh, this is not the first hundred dollar bill, but when we were living out and John touched on earlier, just playing any show we could take. We took this show for probably $300, and we played in the middle of a department store at a shopping mall. And we get there. I don't even know how we got the gig, but they just needed some music there. They wanted live music. And so we, we were like, like a, yeah, we'll go play for an hour and a half, two get hours, a Nordstrom's and make 300 or bucks or split it. And So, yeah, it was like in a Nord, In the Nordstrom's jean department. Or so we get there, and they're like, um, 
yeah, so you can go each pick out an outfit from this section. And we had to, like, put these clothes on <laughs> and then stand on this little box in the middle of the clothes section. So we're not even, like, in the makeup department's over here. So there's all these girls working in the makeup department, like, watching us play these songs and nobody's around. <laughs> and people are walking through and, like, trying to buy jeans or something. And we're just, like, standing yeah. over them singing these songs. You know what the real kicker was? We thought, well, you know, this has not been the most gratifying thing, but at least we got a free outfit out of it. Yeah. And then we get done playing. She's like, okay, um, you can just set the clothes back over in the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get to keep the, the outfit, clothes, man. No. <laughs> we gave the clothes back, played, I think we played like two 45-minute sets and just played the same set twice because who is going to know the difference? Right. Yeah. And um, so whenever there's like a slow day on tour, maybe a show didn't go well, I always... That one always comes to mind, and I'm uh, then I'm like, oh, you know what? That that show tonight was pretty pretty fucking <laughs> yeah. cool. Much yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Robert O'Keefe here on Americana Podcast, the 51st State, with Jamestown Revival, Zach and John, and uh, we really appreciate you guys coming out today, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing a show soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank so you much, for having Robert. us. You bet. It's a pleasure. At this time, we would like to thank our host, Robert Earl Keane, Texas Monthly Studios, as well as Brian Standifer and Stephanie Baker, and our guests, Zach Chance and Jonathan Clay of Jamestown Revival. Americana Podcast, The 51st State, is brought to you by Keane Productions. Edited and produced by Clara Rose, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play. Music.